podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. Love this podcast? Support this show through the supporter feature from Acast. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. Good boys and girls, welcome to the Two Footed Podcast. It is Monday, the 31st of May, and we're brought to you as always by EPLindex.com and the EPL Index shop, which you can find on Etsy now. We're also brought to you by our presenting sponsor, Liberty Shield. Liberty Shield is a VPN provider, it's a virtual privacy network, allows you to go online, change your location to access American Netflix, HBO Max, Peacock, whatever it is you want to do. Keeps your data safe. Check out libertyshield.com. Use the code EPLVPN to get 20% off at checkout. And of course, we are brought to you by Home of Hopcroft. That's a giftware and homeware company located in Scotland, but shipping worldwide. Homeofhopcroft.co.uk. Right, folks. Big weekend. Lots happened. Champions League final, of course, being the main event. Playoff finals. It, it was a very busy weekend, lots of good football. We'll start with that Champions League final, which, to be fair, wasn't a particularly good game of football. Um, Chelsea, 1-0 winners. Kai Havertz with the goal. Nobody could argue that they weren't the better side on the night. City had more of the ball, as you'd expect them to. Tuchel put together a master plan. It worked to perfection. They had some fortune along the way. You're always going to need some fortune along the way. But at the same time, Timo Werner could have scored a couple of goals. Chelsea were, from start to finish, the better team. Massive credit goes to Thomas Tuchel. What he has done in taking over a dumpster fire and turning them into champions of Europe is very, very impressive. Thomas Tuchel deserves all the credit for this. They were going nowhere. They were sliding down the league. Atletico Madrid would have had their way with them. None of this would have happened without Thomas Tuchel. All credit should go to him. Of course, British pundits being British pundits, they've tried to lob half the half the, the praise, none of the criticism. Lampard. Um, Lampard had nothing to do with this. They got out of a very easy group. Simple as that. They had a very easy group on their way into the knockout phases. The knockout phases have been death. Atletico Madrid, Porto, Real Madrid, and now Manchester City. That's all Thomas Tuchel. Seeing some of the people come out and say, let's let's all remember the part that Frank Lampard played. He was sacked for a reason. He's not a good manager at this point in his career. He may become one. Right now, he's not. I've seen Chelsea fans say, oh, without him getting fourth last year, none of this would be possible. If he hadn't got fourth last year with the squad he had available, it would have been a farce. And I don't hear about transfer bans. He got Pulisic in. He he was allowed by Kovacic. He got Mount back. He got Tamore back. And he got Tammy Abraham back. The final three had been out on loan the previous season. Sarri didn't have access to any of those three. And he won a Europa League and finished third. So Frank was given credit for regressing, but not as much as people expected. And because people were acting transfer ban was a you know was some massive thing. He had four new players that Sari didn't have, Pulisic and the three boys that were out on loan. He was allowed by Kovacic because they'd had him on loan. Absolute nonsense to try and give him any credit for this. This is all Thomas Tuchel. The work he has done the improvements we've seen in Rudiger, in Christensen, in Reese James, in Kai Havertz, in Timo Werner, in Pulisic. That team has imp- improved exponentially. And the individuals have improved exponentially. Go over. Frank was given £270 million to spend last summer. They were ninth when he was sacked. Ninth. With that squad. 
the three four two one that he set up completely flummoxed City. Pep made massive mistakes in his team selection. You really do have to question what he was thinking by leaving out Rodri. When City were great this season, and there was a spell where they were undeniably great this year, they were playing 4-3-3, but in possession, it was basically becoming a three-box three. It was Walker, Stones, Diaz, Canseo, De Bruyne, Gundogan, and Rodri as the midfield three. And what was happening was Canseo was moving into midfield and forming a double pivot with Rodri. Gundogan and De Bruyne were stepping forward and becoming like twin attacking midfielders. And then you had a front three. Generally, Mares and Sterling wide, Foden as the nine. And it worked brilliantly. There were games where Bernardo Silva played in midfield instead of De Bruyne, and De Bruyne went into the false nine position. Foden was wide in some of those games. But that City team, the way they played, was special. And for whatever reason, Pep left Canseo out and he left Rodri out. Baffling decisions. Now, some of the excuses for him that have been made are ridiculous. Guillaume Balaga, the self-promoter, basically tried to make out that the result didn't really matter. That if you only watch football for the results, you must be bored. It's a Champions League final. The result is the matters. Nothing else is relevant on the night. Nothing else. If, buts and maybes, no. The result, the factual result, is the only thing that matters. City did create chances, but they only had one shot on target. Chelsea had some great defensive work. Some uh, the, Antonio Rudiger's block on Phil Foden was fantastic. When Thiago Silva went off and Andreas Christensen came on, that's probably the best thing that happened to Chelsea in this game because defensively they went up a level. They did miss Silva's organization, his ability to play out from the back. Chris, Christians is more than good enough playing out from the back. And he's a talker as well. Defensively, they got better when Silva went off. I don't know that they keep a clean sheet if Silva stays on the pitch. What I do know is that Kevin De Bruyne going off is not celebrated. Now, City fans mocked Liverpool fans for a number of years after Mo Salah went off in the 2018 Champions League final. So I can understand wanting to get a bit of retribution, but we should never hope to see the best players in the world going off injured in any game, let alone the biggest game in club football. De Bruyne was injured after he ran into Antonio Rudiger and his face met Rudiger's shoulder, a broken nose and a broken, or broken orbital bone. It looks like in doubt as well. That's a massive blow. Not just for him, not just for Belgium, but for the watching fan. Surely when you watch the Euros, you want to see the best players in Europe. You want to see Kevin De Bruyne play. We'd all love to see a, a Belgium team on fire. De Bruyne, Hazard, Lukaku, Tielemans. And see what they can do. See if they can actually live up to the promise that they hold. We may not see that now. And it's a shame. For Chelsea, it's Champions League number two. Chelsea have never made a Champions League final. The manager who began that season. 08, Mourinho started the season, got sacked. Avram Grant took them into the final. 2012, Vias Boas started the season, got sacked in the March. Di Matteo took them to the final and won it. This year, Frank, gone, Tuchel, in and win. I don't remember... Andre Villas-Boas getting half of the praise for the 2012 Champions League win. I'm sure, I'm sure there was. I'm sure, you know, Jake Humphreys and Joe Cole and all these other people, Rio Ferdinand, they're probably all in the praise of Villas-Boas. And I just missed it all. But the double standard, of course, has to exist. The one word of note to Tuchel... The last guy who won a Champions League for Chelsea got sacked the following November. Di Matteo, out the door. I don't think that'll happen to Tuchel. 
Rumours are that Roman is now fully engaged again, which is terrifying considering he spent $270 million last summer when allegedly not fully engaged. He wants everybody. Lukaku seems to be the most likely target now. They don't think they can get Kane. Haaland's not moving, so they think they're in for Lukaku. He's been there. It makes them look foolish in signing him back, but better to sign him back and look foolish than miss out again and look even more stupid. They should have had Kevin De Bruyne in a Chelsea shirt. They should have had Mo Salah in a Chelsea shirt. They'd have won a lot more Champions Leagues if they'd had those two and Lukaku than some of the players they've brought in for big money over the years. It is funny that on the night they won the last Champions League, Eden Hazard tweeted, I will be joining the Champions of Europe, putting an end to months of speculation as to where he'd go, as everybody knew he was leaving Lille. He joins Chelsea. They win no Champions Leagues. He leaves, and two years later, the Champions of Europe again. A special word for Engolo Kante, who undoubtedly the best player on the pitch on Saturday night. A finance. I said it on Friday. Doesn't matter what kind of form he's in. You put him in a big game, he's the best player on the pitch. He went into the Real Madrid semi-finals, not playing well in the league. Man of the match in both of those games. Man of the match in this one. Just locked down the entire right side. The entire right side. He was tremendous. He was everywhere. Endless energy. Winning the ball. Directing things. Shepherding runners into the, into spots where Aspilicueta and James could team up. Absolutely phenomenal. What a career he's had. Consider he didn't make his professional debut until he was 21 years of age. He didn't play top-flight football in France until he was 23. Moves to Leicester at 24. Wins a title. Goes to Chelsea. Wins a title. Won the Europa League two years ago. Now he's won a Champions League. Runner-up into 2016 European Championship. Should have won it this there's still no excuses for how, how how France blew that and went on to win the World Cup two years ago. He'll look to complete the set this summer with the Euros. That will be every major honour he could win in his locker. What a run. What a six-year run for N'Golo Kante. Couldn't happen to a nicer guy because everything you hear about him is what a humble, nice, good human being he is. You read stories about him and you just you fall in love with him as a person. What he does as a player is is incredible, but as a person he seems even better. City will have to start over. City will have to, you know, take a good long look at themselves. This was their best chance. They are going to win a Champions League at some point. They spend too much money not to. But this was their chance to do it. Lewandowski got hurt, so Bayern fell out of the running, lost to PSG. Mbappe got hurt, City took advantage of it. Van Dijk got hurt, Liverpool weren't an issue. Real Madrid aren't particularly good this year. Barca aren't particularly good this year. Juve weren't particularly good this year. So all your main rivals, something went wrong. Injuries, poor squad management, bad management. Whatever it was, this was your chance. And Thomas Tuchel spoiled the party. Three German managers in, the, in a row have won the Champions League. Two of them started their careers at Mainz. What an amazing thing for Mainz to be able to say two of their former managers went on and won the Champions League, Jurgen Klopp and now Thomas Tuchel. Both of them obviously went to Dortmund as well. You'd imagine Klopp was one of the first phone calls Tuchel received to congratulate him on this incredible victory. And I think this does catapult him right up into the upper echelon. I don't think he's quite in the same class as Conte, Simeone, Pep and, and Klopp, but he's, he's right there. He's right there just below them. He might be the best of the rest. If he wins the league title with Chelsea, then it'll be real hard to deny his claim. 
congrats to Chelsea. Well-deserved. Nobody can say otherwise. The way they dispatched Atletico Madrid, the way they worked through Porto, saw off Real, their away leg was very, very impressive and didn't get nearly as much hype as it should have because all the praise went to City for what they did in Paris. But to go into Madrid that night and get that result, come back and control the tie and then beat them at home, very, very impressive. And very impressive again. And you couldn't be happier for Kai Havertz. I mean, he's had a... Lots of people questioning him, saying he was a flop. He was never a flop. Not in his first season. He couldn't be a flop. Not when he was managed by a PE teacher for the first half of the season and used poorly. Tuchel has used him much better. Tuchel knows. Chelsea still have needs this summer. They still have work to do. But they'll be a lot more attractive now. And Thomas Tuchel, I would imagine, will be knocking on the door in the coming days asking for a new contract. And I don't think Chelsea will take any any risks with that either. A year left. He'll get offers from everywhere. You can imagine Real Madrid are already wondering, can we get him? Could we take him away? Moving on, Brentford 2, Swansea 1. Brentford will be in the Premier League next season. They will be the 50th club to play in the Premier League since its formation. Ivan Tony put them one up after 10 minutes. Brian Umbuema winning a penalty and Tony tucking it away in expert fashion. Emiliano Marcondes making a 2-0 with a lovely past finish into the bottom corner past Freddie Woodman on 20. Tony almost scored what I think would have been the Puskas Award winner this season, the, the goal of the season. Uh, a half volley from the angle, the corner of the box, off the crossbar, bounces down maybe six inches into open play. Six inches the other way, it's on the line, six to far, uh, the opposite way, it's in the net. What a goal it would have been. What a performance from Ivan Tony. He was just excellent from start to finish. Brentford were the better team. Now, it must be said, Swansea played good football. They did keep going. But when Jay Fulton was sent off after 65, that was pretty much lights out. Uh, I didn't agree with the sending off. I thought he slipped. He did stand on the heel of the Swansea player. But the Swansea player slowed down. Oh, sorry, the Brentford player slowed down. And I don't think Fulton anticipated it. Stood in his heel, slipped, lost his right foot from underneath himself. And it made it look much, much worse than it was. It did look very nasty. I can understand the decision to give him the rest. If there was VAR, I do wonder if they might have looked back and thought, you know what, he slips. It's not It's not an intentional foul. Um, it's tough for Swansea. It's going to get tougher. I think Steve Cooper is going to get Premier League op- uh, offers this summer. I don't see that they'll be able to keep Freddie Woodman or Mark Wehi this summer. You would imagine... Andre Ayew says that's enough championship football for me. There may be interest in Grimes. I talked about him on Friday. He's become a very good player for them. And potentially Jamal Lowe as well. I think Premier League club will be sniffing around him, potentially even Brentford. He'd be a very good fit in how Brentford play. Brentford will be great additions to the Premier League. They really will. They're a club that have done things the hard way but the right way. They play a good brand of football under Thomas Frank. The recruitment is second to none. You look at how they had Ben Rama and Watkins last summer, sold them for in and around 55 million combined, bringing Ivan Tony for five, rising to 10. If he goes up and has a good season, they'll get 50, 60 million from someone that can score goals at, at that level. Makes Newcastle's decision to bin him off a couple of years back look even stupider. Him and Armstrong from Blackburn. Both of them could be playing for Newcastle now. Newcastle, desperately struggling for goals. Could have had Ivan Tony. Congrats to Peterborough, who will make a fortune off this. You'd imagine there was a close for Brentford going up. There'll be a close. If he gets capped by England, there'll be extra money if he gets sold on. Absolutely outstanding management from Peterborough in the Tony deal. But great to see Brentford up. It's a shame for Swansea. But look, it is what it is. One team has to come up. One has to stay where they are. Blackpool beat Lincoln 2-1 yesterday in the League One 
playoff final and Ollie Turton own goal put Lincoln one up in the first minute. Really good work down the right wing. And a good cross into the box. Turton very unlucky that he couldn't turn the ball away. Turned it into his own net. Kenny Dougal, two lovely strikes. Um, the first Australian-born player, I believe, to score in a club game at Wembley. The first Australian of any nature to score two goals in a club game at Wembley. Um, very, very impressive. Two great strikes. So for Neil Critchley and his boys, it'll be championship football. After what Blackpool have been through, I'm quite happy about that. I'm happy for Neil Critchley. I want to see Blackpool against Preston North End. I think that's a great derby match. So happy to have that in the championship next. And all things considered, um, a good weekend of football, you know. A good, a good weekend of football. We have the, the League 2 playoff final is today. Morecambe against Newport County should be a good game of football. Give that a watch later on. By the time you hear this, it may already be over. Um, I'm not sure what time. What time is kickoff in that game? Let's see. Morecambe. Three. So the game will be nearly over when this podcast is even released. So fortunately, hopefully you'll have watched it before you listen to this. If not, soz. Um, We're going to take a break. When we come back, I want to have a look at Manchester City spending under Guardiola. Because some of the commentary around the defeat has really, really wound me up a little bit. So, um... We'll take a break, we'll come back and we'll do that. Right, welcome back. So, in the aftermath of City's defeat on Saturday night, I jokingly tweeted, I can't wait for Stuart Brennan and the lads to say, City need to spend big this summer and back Pep the Champions League dream. Because he's the most predictable man reporting anywhere on English football, Stuart Brennan of the Manchester Evening News wrote exactly the column I expected him to write. And he said in that column, because of the losses suffered under COVID, City can't be rampant in the market this summer. He then went on to suggest they sign Harry Kane or Erling Haaland, a starting calibre left-back, a left-sided Kyle Walker is what he asked for, a defensive midfielder to replace Fernandinho, and an attacking midfielder. He then said that City's squad was short of having two players for every position, which is the standard, according to Stuart Brennan, for all clubs. I cannot name you a single club in Europe that has two good players for every single position. Not one. And I, I went through yesterday. I went through them all. All the top five leagues. Couldn't find one that I'd say, right, that's two good players in every position. So I got thinking about the City squad. And you look at, you know, goalkeepers. They've got Ederson. Good goalkeeper. Error prone. Poor on the goal on Saturday night. Overrated as a goalkeeper because of how good he is with his feet. Overrated with his feet as well. He he couldn't play in midfield. It's a nonsense to suggest he could. He's a good goalkeeper overall, but he's not... I don't think he was ever a £35 million goalkeeper. Certainly not in 2017 when they signed him. Now he might be a £35 million goalkeeper, but Nick Pope would go for £35 million. Uh, good great one. Zach Steffen I do like as a back. I think he's solid. You look at right-backs. City have Kyle Walker and they have Joao Cancelo. £110 million they spent on those two players. Left-back, they have Benjamin Mendy and Zinchenko. Now, Zinchenko is nominally a midfielder, but he has been converted and he's become a good left-back. In the Brennan piece, he tried to blame Zinchenko for the goal and said that a more athletic left back and track averts his run. The goal came from Ruben Diaz's positioning and playing everybody onside because John Stones had gone walkies. Zinchenko was just the unfortunate fella left the victim of bad central defensive play. 
Benjamin Mendy and Zinchenko. Mendy cost 52 million. Zinchenko was cheap, but they've still spent, you know, big money on a left back. At right side centre back, ideally you would look at Ruben Diaz, who cost 62 million, and John Stones, who cost 47.5 million. That's 110 million on right. At left side centre back, they have Americ Laporte, who costs 57 million, and Nathan Aki, who costs 40. So again, 97 million on left side centre backs. Over 200 million pounds worth of centre backs. That's not counting Eric Garcia or Philippe Sandler, both of whom are quality players. Now, Garcia is leaving, but that's neither here nor there. They've had. Good centre-backs, without question, this season. Two for each role. Into the midfield, City play nominally a three. They have Rodri and Fernandinho as the defensive midfielders. They have Kevin De Bruyne and Bernardo Silva for the right side role. Then they have Gundogan and Phil Foden. For the left-side centre midfield role. Zinchenko can also play that left-side centre midfield role. But they have two for every position there. Up front, they've got Gabi Jesus and Sergio Aguero as the number nines. And we know Aguero's leaving. We know they'll likely want to bring in someone to replace him. Sterling plays one wing. Mares plays the other. Ferran Torres will say is the backup for Sterling. So the one thing they don't have in the is a backup for Riyad Mahrez. But Sterling can play that side if Ferran Torres wants to play on the left. Ferran Torres can play on the right if Sterling is on the left. Phil Foden can play in the front three. De Bruyne can play in the front three. Bernardo Silva can play in the front three. So there's one position in the entire squad that they don't have two good players for. Right wing. Behind Mahrez. They never replaced Leroy Sané. Because otherwise it would be Sterling and Mahrez on the right. Because Sterling is better on the right. And then Sané and Ferran Torres on the left. And then the two boys through the middle. So the idea that City are short in terms of squad quality is nonsense. And the idea that throwing money at the issue is what they should do is questionable at, at the very least. So I thought what I wanted to do was have a quick look at City squad to it every year. So the first place to start, I think, is the 15-16 season, the year before Pep took over. And take a look at some of the players that they had in the team that year. So Vincent Company, I would say, played a big role in the first two titles under Pep. Raheem Sterling played a big role in all the success under Pep. Aguero. Kevin De Bruyne. David Silva played a big role in the first two titles. Fernandinho a big role in all the success. So as you can see, the two names that jump out there that are still there now playing a big role. Fernandinho's role has been marginalized a little bit, but a big role in all the success, De Bruyne and Sterling. And then you have Aguero, Silva, Company, and Fernandinho. And Yaya Toure, sorry, Yaya Toure there as well. So they're probably the, you know, the core five that were great for City for so long. The two best players now are, Ster are Sterling and De Bruyne. They all outdate Pep. So he comes in 2016. He buys Gundogan. Unquestionable success. Took a little bit of time, but he's been great. Nolito was a failure. £14 million. Zinchenko has become a very, very valuable part of the squad. Leroy Sané was great. Moreno, don't think he ever played for City sent on loan a bunch of times currently on loan with Lommel in Belgium since joining City he's had six loan spells 
He has never kicked a ball for Manchester City. John Stones, 47.5 million. I don't think you can call that a success. This is the best season of his career. He was good. He wasn't great. 47.5 million pounds worth. Claudio Bravo, flop. Gabriel Jesus has played a good squad part, but I think when they paid twenty-seven million for him, given given the age he was at, the the hype that was around him, the potential he was meant to have at the age of twenty, I do think they expected more. But Gundogan and Sane are the undoubted successes from that window. Zinchenko and Jesus, I will say, have been important squad players across the time, but Stones, I think, is largely disappointed. In that same summer, they also brought in a couple of players who probably could play a role. Jan Hel Herrera, Geronimo Rulli, who was the, the, the star goalkeeper for Villarreal in their Europa League uh, run. Aaron Moy, who would go on to do well in the Premier League. But just on the main signings, eight of the men, I think there's two out-and-out successes. Two that have been good squad players and four that have been disappointing. Three of them out-and-out flops. The next summer then, 17-18, Bernardo Silva, he's been great, but been good, struggles to play with De Bruyne, better when De Bruyne is not on the team. Ederson, Kyle Walker, £45 million, with 50 with, with the add-ons. Benjamin Mendy, £52 million. Danilo, £26 million. Flop. And Americ Laporte came in in the summer. So that year they spent 43 million on 35 on Ederson, up to 50 on Walker, 52 on Mendy, 26.5 on Danilo, and 57 million on Americ Laporte. Bernardo's not first choice. Ederson's good, not great. Walker's good, not great. Danilo was a flop. Mendy can't get in the team. And Laporte has lost his place. Laporte was great until this season. But he's lost his place. Now, I know he, he was injured last season, but his first 18 months there. There's not a runaway success in that group. For all that money spent, there's nobody that you would look and say, incredible signing. There's no one you're looking at that and saying, it's a De Bruyne-level signing, a Sterling-level signing. Now, Sterling's obviously had a poor year this year, but prior to this year, he'd been really good for them. Laporte is the best of the group, I would say. Walker's the only one. Walker and Ederson are the ones who've nailed down starting roles. But there's issues with both. You move forward 19. Riyad Mahrez. He's had a really good season this year. But before, like, before this year, he was struggling to get first-team games. He was a squad player. That was the only big signing they made that summer. They bought Philippe Sand uh, Sandler as well. And Daniel Arzani, two young players. But Mares was sort of the big money signing. Again, he's not a Sterling. He's not an Aguero. He's not a Yaya or a company. You're looking at all these signings and you're wondering where, you know, the building blocks for your team. 1920, Angelino, Angelino brought in. They'd had him. They'd sold him. They brought him back. He's gone again. Rodri. Last year, poor. This year, much better. Dropped for the Champions League final. Zach Steffen, solid backup goalkeeper. Joao Canseo, disappointing last season. Had a great run this season, but inconsistent overall. Dropped for the Champions League final. And then this season... Pablo Moreno, a kid brought in from Juventus in a little bit of chicanery. Ferran Torres, promising young player, could become something. Nathan Aki, a good squad player. Diaz has gone on to win. Now, he didn't deserve it, but he went on to win player of the year. We'll wait and we'll see what he is over the next three to four years. But the early signs are good. Did not have a good game on Saturday night. But the early season are good. 
a couple of other young players brought in there, um, Bustos and Stefanovic, 12 million spent, but neither here nor there. But think of all the money City have spent under Pep. Think of all the players they've signed. I've just listed the majority. How many of them are in the class of De Bruyne, Sterling, Aguero, Silva, Fernandinho, company, Yaya. See, since Pep came in, City have spent more and more and more money. A hundred million pounds spent in total last summer. Oh, well, sorry, this 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 season. Last season, in and around the same. Over 60 million on multiple players. Stefan, Morgan Rogers, Felix Correa. Angelino, it's about 150 million spent. 63 million in 2018-19. About 250 million in the 17-18 season. Yeah, about 250 million. And 16-17, it's well, well over 150 million. Well over 150 million. Jesus, 27. Bravo 15 and a half, Stones 45 and a half, Marlos Mourinho almost five, Zinchenko two, Sane 37, Nolito 14, and, and Gundigan 20. All that money spent, not one signing. Now, I will say, if Sane had stuck around, I think he would have been of that ilk. I think Gundigan, if he does this again next season, we can put him in that conversation. He's been in. Player of the year this year, robbed of the player of the year award. But they were signed in the first window. Both of those. And I would argue that they're the two best signings Pep made in his time as manager. Ilke Gundogan, who was his first player in, and Leroy Sane, who was his fourth player in. I don't think any of the Bernardo Silva, Ederson... Walker, Danilo, Mendy, or Laporte group go into that group. Now, Laporte could, but he missed most of last season with an injury, and this season he was dropped. He was carrying a thigh injury, wasn't playing well, got dropped. John Stones did all right. The Stones-Diaz pairing. Rumours are now that Laporte may want out. He will definitely have suitors. There will be clubs lining up to get him. I did see a good suggestion that maybe if City really want Harry Kane, that maybe they offer Americ Laporte for Harry Kane. Obviously, a big bag of cash goes with Laporte. But I think that's a deal that works for everybody. Spurs could do with an, an elite-level centre-back, and he is an elite-level centre-back. 18-19, Mares is the big money signing. He's not all calibre. He's a very good player, but he's not Aguero. He's not Silva. He's not those guys. Rodri and Canseo, they're not of that calibre. Rodri's a very good player, don't get me wrong. And Canseo, when he's on form, can run a game. And those two, as that double pivot I mentioned earlier, were great for City. Diaz has the potential, if he has multiple more seasons of this level, to be in that conversation. But it's an awful lot of money spent. And the best player at the club is still a guy he inherited. A second best player at the club is also a guy he inherited. De Bruyne and Sterling. And none of the signings made since, for me, have reached the level of the guys that were signed before. I don't think going out and spending another 250 million is the answer here. Like every summer, City are bringing in too many players. But when they don't need them, they're causing too much squad when they don't need it to be there you look at the sales as well and they've made profit on some players but I mean Claudio Bravo left for free in the summer he spent 15 and a half million it was, he was one of the most expensive goalkeepers in the world at the time he's gone on to have a good season with Real Betis having been sat on your bench for the last after being dropped in his first season. I don't think allowing Pep to throw more money at the problem is the answer. 
Yes, you need certain things. But it's not like the business he's done has been tremendous. And I know he doesn't have total control over transfers. But maybe he has too much say and maybe they're backing him too much. I don't know at what point do you have to work with what you have. Develop what you have. When you look at City's squad, it is exceptional. Absolutely exceptional. I don't know that there's a stronger squad in Europe. And you look at some of the other young players they've got there. Liam DeLapp, huge talent. Cole Palmer, huge talent. Tommy Doyle, huge talent. Hayward Bellis, quality. Patrick Roberts never really developed. But it, it doesn't make sense to me that City would continually throw good money after bad. Like, even look at the players who aren't registered as first-team players, but City own and are out playing senior football. Jack Harrison, really good for Leeds. He seems like a guy that could play left-back in Pep's setup. I know he plays left-wing for Leeds, but look at him physically. Look at his skill set. Given an opportunity. Jordan Braff. Or sorry, Jaden Braff, rather. Young Dutch striker. Can play wide. Can play through the middle. He's not worth a chance. He's out at Udinese. Pedro Porro. Right back, right winger. Absolutely phenomenal in Sporting Club de Portugal's title win. He's not worthy of a chance. Yanhel Herrera, powerful, dominant midfielder. He's not worth a chance. There's so many exceptionally talented players here, and none of them are getting opportunities. Like, look at the players who've been given real opportunities at City since Pep took over. Foden's really the only one. He's really the only one. Walker, big money. Diaz, big money. Stones, big, big money. Sterling was already there. Gundogan bought. Gabby Jesus, big money. Aguero was there. Sinchenko was bought in on the cheap and has worked his way in. So credit to him. We'll, we'll, we'll say him. Stefan was brought in. America Laporte was brought in. Rodri was brought in. De Bruyne was already there. Silva, big money. Torres, 25 million or whatever. It's not like he's a young player that was brought through the academy. Benjamin Mendy, huge money. Fernandinho was there. Mares, huge money. Canseo, huge money. Ederson, huge money. Philippe Sandler was brought in. He'd been given an opportunity. Eric Garcia was given some opportunities last season. Uh, but because he wouldn't sign a new contract, he was sort of just banished this year. So Foden is the only academy player that Pep has brought along. Now, like I say, Delap, Doyle and Palmer have all had some involvement, at least, in matchday squads. Uh, Liam Delap has played three games for City, one in the league and one in each of the domestic cups. Tommy Doyle has played seven, one in the league, three in the FA Cup, two in the EFL Cup, and one in the Champions League. And Cole Palmer has had two. Now these aren't, you know, these aren't children. These are, they're all 19. Uh, the same age as Phil Foden. Actually two years younger than Phil Foden. But when Phil Foden was their age, he was playing 26 games in a season. They're not getting that. Between them, and played as much as Foden did at their age. Foden has just turned 21. So actually, his age 19 season was last year, where he played 38 games in all competitions. At 18, he got 26. Now, Foden is exceptional. He is really special. But none of these other lads are worth, worth a try. It already cost you Jaden Sancho. You should have had Jaden Sancho in your team. 
but you made a mess of that one. He left a year after Pep arrived because Pep wouldn't give him the guarantees that he sought. Because Pep doesn't want to promote the youth. Wasn't that the whole purpose of bringing in Pep? I know he wanted to win the Champions League, but to bring that La Masia mentality of pr- promoting youth. And what youth has he promoted? One player. One player in five years has played more. You've got one of the biggest academies in Europe, and he won't use it. He had no choice with Foden. Foden demanded to be used. Others would take different levels of development, but Pep doesn't seem interested in development anymore. Look at the players he's signing. Most of them are established international players. He's not bringing in... Like, Sané was the last one, and that was the first summer, where he brought him in as a young player and improved him exponentially. He hasn't done it with anybody else. He seems to want to buy the finished product. He's moved away from what it made him great at Barcelona. Maybe the failure to win a Champions League at, at Bayern changed his philosophy. But at Bayern, he took Joshua Kimmich. Now, I know they bought him, but he took an you know, under-the-radar midfielder, made him the best right-back in the world. But at City, he doesn't want to promote youth. youth. He wants to spend... 150, 200 million every summer. At what point do City have to just say, look, you've got hundreds, hundreds of players in the academy that you can look, that you can choose to, you know, to develop, that you can create pathways for. Because at some point, player, young players and their parents are going to look at the situation and go, well, when's the ever going to play for your first team why would we send our kid to your academy and that's going to have an effect that'll be felt long after pep is gone i mean Jaden sancho's 21 he's probably moving back to the premier league this summer and he's going to torment you for a decade and you're going to be reminded that you messed up and let him leave on the cheap i just don't see that giving pep bag loads more money is the answer for city The final, the way he set the team up was just complete oddball stuff. Same thing happened last year and the year before. These big pressure games, he just seems to overthink them or he's trying to win them in ways where extra plaudits. I really, I struggle to understand what it is he's thinking. Now, he's obviously a far more intelligent man than me. He knows far more about football than I'll ever know. But Seriously. Stop just giving him money to spend blindly. And definitely don't listen to Stuart Brennan. There is no need for any attacking midfielders. You should only allow a left-back to be brought in if Mendy leaves. And yes, an Aguero replacement, but it's not like Aguero played every game anyway. With the team City have, what they could put together, Walker, Diaz, Laporte, Canseo, Ederson in goal, Rodri as the defensive midfielder, De Bruyne, Gundig on either side. I think it's two of the front three. One starter is really all City need. And a little bit of squad filler. But they have the squad filler within their own ranks. They could just promote some of the immense young players they have. I named a bunch of them. It wouldn't be hard for City to be, you know, cautious this summer. Because the the spending recklessly hasn't worked for them in terms of winning. And... I understand that they've won five league titles under this ownership. I understand that they've won three under Pep. But it all exists to win the Champions League. They didn't hire Pep to win the Premier League. They were winning Premier Leagues before Pep with Mancini and Pellegrini. Who were half as good as them. But cost half as much. 
So they could do that anyway. Most good managers could go to City and win a title. Brendan Rodgers could go to City and win titles. Graham Potter could go to City and win titles. You brought in Pep to win the Champions League. And surely to promote from within. I don't know. We'll wrap up with the gossip and we'll Chelsea are ready to re-sign Inter Milan striker Romelu Lukaku with the Italian club prepared to listen to offers for the 28-year-old Belgian to ease their financial concerns. It looks like Ashraf Hakimi is also leaving. He's heading for PSG by the sounds of things. That's two huge blows. Two huge blows. Will they be able to keep hold of Latura Martinez, Nico Barella, Bastone, Skriniar? That team could come apart real fast. Manchester United have agreed personal terms with Jadon Sancho, but are yet to make a formal bid for the Borussia Dortmund and England winger. I second believe any of that is true. I don't for a second believe that they've agreed personal terms because we heard all this last summer as well. All we heard for the whole of the summer. Oh, but they've agreed personal terms months ago. They're still talking to the reps. Why are they talking to those representatives if they've agreed terms? Nonsense. Utter nonsense. Thomas Tuchel is close to signing a new contract with Chelsea after leading them to Champions League glory, with the German being given a deal until 2023 with an option for a further year. But he should be demanding five years. Five years fully guaranteed. Get it done. His agent's failing him if he doesn't get that done. Tottenham are working on a double appointment of Antonio Conte as manager alongside former Juventus sporting director Fabio Paratici as director of football. Fabio Paratici did a disastrous job as sporting director of Juventus. But, but before that, when he was head of recruitment under Beppe Marotta, he was really good. And if all he's in charge of at Spurs is recruitment, he could be very good. As long as Levy keeps his hands on the purse strings and doesn't allow him to do stupid things like sign Aaron Ramsey for 400 grand a week, sign Gonzalo Higuain, who's 30, for 92 million, or Cristiano Ronaldo, who's 33, for 100 million, like he did for Juve. They should be okay. The better appointment would be Luis Campos, formerly of Monaco, formerly of Lille, the only man who built teams to stop this PSG juggernaut in him and Conte would be the dream pairing for Spurs. Tottenham are also planning a surprise move for Chelsea's German defender Antonio Rudiger, although they could face competition from Paris Saint-Germain. Well, it wouldn't be a surprise move if the Daily Mirror are able to report it, would it? So we'll just go ahead and park that and call it nonsense. Arsenal will have to pay Real Madrid 60 million euros for Martin Odegaard, who they are keen on to sign on a permanent uh, deal this summer. Arsenal don't have 60 million euros, so let's just move on. Um, Granit Xhaka says he is flattered by interest from Roma, but he is happy at the London club. He is happy at the London club, overpaying him to be decidedly average, and Roma couldn't pay him the same wages. Argentine forward Paolo Dybala is set for fresh contract talks at Juventus, with new manager Max Allegri eager to secure his long-term future. Dybala under Allegri was incredible. Hopefully we see that return. Um, Atletico Madrid's Spanish midfielder Saul Naguiz will push for a move to Manchester United ahead of Juventus or Paris Saint-Germain yes I'm sure that Saul currently working under one of the four best managers in the world if given the option of going to Juventus or PSG or wherever he wants to go if he does leave will definitely opt to go and play for the PE teacher in Manchester absolutely that's what will happen um, Dutch midfielder Ginny Wijnaldum has not yet completed his much-anticipated move to Barcelona and says he's still busy saying goodbye to Liverpool. That's fair, whatever. Nobody's really talking about it, but, you know, away he goes. Uh, Wijnaldum's move is delayed because the Netherlands boss is not allowing Barcelona to conduct a medical. Well, in that case, Wijnaldum should just walk away from the squad because he's not going to get dropped. Um, is De Boer going to guarantee that he'll pay Wijnaldum's next three years of salary if he gets hurt? And can't get his move. I think that might be one where Wijnaldum's solicitors and Barca need to get involved. Thiago Silva get Chelsea for a year for another year after he helped them win the Champions League. 
Yeah, he helped them in the same way Cristiano Ronaldo helped Portugal win the 2016 uh, Euros. He got hurt and went off and they went on and won. Um, Villarreal's Europa League winning striker, Gerard Moreno, is attracting interest from West Ham, Newcastle and Roma. Uh, with all due respect, Newcastle, you have no hope. Uh, West Ham, I doubt you have much chance either. But Roma under Jose, yeah, that, that might be one he might um, Tottenham and Ivory Coast defender Serge Aurier says he is set to depart the club this summer with interest from Paris Saint-Germain and AC Milan um, it's not really a loss for Spurs as long as they get a decent fee it's not really a loss for them at all uh, we'll just quickly run through yesterday's so, um, Manchester United are keeping, ter- keeping track on Cristiano Ronaldo. The Italian club, or club Juventus, are opening to a Pogba for Ronaldo. Yeah, that's all old news. Tottenham are interested in Gabriel Jesus, which could lead to a player plus cash swap for Harry Kane. I don't for a second believe that to be true. Manchester United will make a move for Borussia Dortmund and England winger. Jaden Sancho in this summer in preference to Harry Kane. Not a hope. Not a hope is that true. If both of them are available and they can get one or the other, they will 100% go for Harry Kane because that's what they do. Midfielder Danny Ceballos says he wants to remain at Real Madrid or leave the club permanently. I think you'll find they'll be more than willing to let you leave permanently some. Oh my God. Roy Hodgson is on the list to take over at West Brom. West Brom, do not be stupid. Hodgie, please retire. Please retire. Aston Villa fear they may be on the verge of losing Douglas Louise, with former club Man City considering activating a buyback clause. So there's the defensive midfielder that they need to replace Fernandinho. Another one that didn't get an opportunity and was binned out the door. You could easily bring him back in. He replaces Fernandinho. I think it's thirty million is the is the buyback clause. Great price for a twenty three year old of his talent. Let's see. AC Milan will start negotiations with Chelsea on Monday to try and sign for Keo tomorrow. There's no negotiations needed. There is an, an agreed buy clause, an agreed price. So all you need to do is stump up the cash. West Ham are emerging as favourites to sign Patson Daka as they look to replace Sebastian Haller. He is also interested in Liverpool, Manchester United, Manchester City. He is very talented. He is not nearly at the level that Liverpool, City or United would need right now. If he went to City or United, you'd imagine he'll get loaned out. If he went to Liverpool, it probably just wouldn't work for him very well. Uh, Galatasaray have put in a 12.9 million bid to sign Sheffield United midfielder Ishmaela Koulibaly. He spent last season on loan with Beershot. Well, if that is the case... Sheffield United should say thank you, but no thank you, and keep him and put him in their midfield where he can actually help them. Like, I I genuinely think that Yukanovic should just go to the owners and say, look, just disregard any bids for, for him, for Sander Berger. There's rumours that Berger has a release clause. Who knows if it's true? Um, if he doesn't, just keep them. Just keep them for a year. They'll still have value in a year. Keep them, keep Bogle. Keep Lowe, keep Brewster, keep Jebison. Add a couple of centre-backs. You get Jack O'Connell back. Go and win the championship next year. Uh, Leeds have no plans to reignite their interest in Harry Wilson. Newcastle are in pole permission to sign Wigan's 19-year-old Scottish striker Kyle Joseph, with Sheffield United also uh, interested in the player. He is meant to be very talented. Five goals in 14 games in League One this past season as a 19-year-old. That's quite interesting. Quite interesting. Um, Brighton chairman Tony Bloom is willing to listen to offers for oh for Ben White and Yves Basima. That's surprising, but I know they were hit hard by the pandemic. It's actually from an interview with him as well, so he's actually outright said it. That is strange. Now, whether they've just taken a little bit of liberty in this little headline on the BBC, I don't know. Southampton are set to make a fresh bid to sign Tom Davies after failing to sign him last summer. 
Yeah, it makes sense. He, he'd fit into how they want to play. Manchester United's Diogo Dalot admits he does not know where his future lies after spending last season on loan at AC Milan. Now, backup right back. They want a more attack-minded right back. He is an attack-minded right back. Do I need to paint a bigger picture? Uh, we'll leave it at that. That's it for today. Thanks, as always, for listening. Thank you to Guy. Thanks to Fox on. See you tomorrow. Bye-bye. Podcast Network.